Welcome to episode 39 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to talk about what makes things cool. Let's continue the conversation. Hello and welcome back everybody. Uh, as always, wel- welcome back to the MADE podcast. As always with me, I have Claudia Berrigan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's your hello. <laughs> yes, hello. I was checking that you would pronounce it properly. Okay. I have Ray Peña with me. How are you doing? Hello, and I am Jose Valcarza. Uh, and uh, we're back. We've been away for uh, a couple of weeks. You know, things, yeah. have been, things have been busy. It's a little bit on me. I've been busy. Um, I guess I could say it, right? Because I've been changing jobs. I'm going to start a new job. Um, so... Yeah. So yeah, that's why I've been busy with applying and everything. So and yeah. good, and you're gonna start a new new job soon. Yeah, I I supposed to start next week. I gotta had to do a drug test and everything. Oh, good! One, it's one official then. Yes, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm cleared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were holding our breath for. A, we're just no. Nah. <laughs> no, we were it was not. an easy pass. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um. It's funny, this uh, banter part is always awkward because we've been actually talking for an hour <laughs> before we started yeah. pressing the record button. But uh, how have you guys been? A quick update for everybody as far as uh, how's everything going? Well, pretty good. Mm, pretty yeah. good. Chilling. Just, yeah, relaxing, chilling. You, Ray, everything's doing good? Oh, yeah. Yep. Busy as always and managed to squeeze in a, uh, a four-day vacation. That's right. You guys went yeah. up north. Yeah, up to well, we went all the way up to Maine. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, to a little. Uh, we, I mean, we went the long way, so we stayed in New Hampshire too. But uh, yeah, the the the, uh, I wouldn't call them mountain. I wouldn't call it a mountain drive, but they're like big hills, mm-hmm. right? So um, the views through through those hilly areas are just absolutely gorgeous. Nice. And we ended up going all the way to Bar Harbor. I'm not sure if you've ever been there. Never been there. I've heard of it though. But. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's very nice. And and there's what was interesting is that there is an island, it's uh, Bar Island, and there is a sandbar that connects Bar Island to um, the uh, the main island. So uh, it's interesting because at low tide you can walk across it. It's uh, really? I think it's about a half yeah, it's a half a mile long on the sandbar. And you walk all the way across the sandbar to the island. And you can hike there. We hiked and went to the top. And uh, at high tide, you I don't even know how many feet of water it is at high tide. Uh, but you can't walk across it at high tide. Hmm. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's kind yeah, of like a, a Mount St. Michel type of situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think in South Korea, when I was there, that was a big deal too. They had the same hmm. kind of situation. They had an, uh, It was too far south for me to go see it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Not unique, but but there are not too many of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a cool idea where you have, sort of have this window to get in and get out. <laughs> yeah, you've got a three-hour window to actually go in and out. And then after that, you got to wait for the next window. Wow. And that's when they gouge you to spend the night. <laughs> no, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. No, there's nothing no, at the islands. You'd have to camp out. Jeez. Yeah, but it's funny because they have a oh, sign that say that you can't stay overnight. So that's what's gross. And then they have like a water taxi as mm-hmm. well. 
okay. I don't know if any. I don't know if anyone's been stuck there. Mm. Well, I mean, there's a water taxi. I guess you would just take the water taxi. Yeah, but it's probably yeah, the most expensive water taxi. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's fifty or sixty dollars or something. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And there's a bunch of little islands around it too. Oh yeah, there are islands everywhere. That's really cool. That must have been a beautiful sight. It it is absolutely gorgeous. What did you eat? All kinds of things. Um, lobster being on the top of the list. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's crawly things. Sea cockroaches, I like to call it. Yeah. You know, I look at them, and to me, they're they're insects of the ocean, just like yeah. crabs and, and shrimp and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But, yeah. And, yep, and it, it's funny, you know, uh, back in colonial times, uh, the uh, lobster was considered, you know, quote-unquote – you know, slave food. It wasn't yeah. for everybody. That was that was considered a uh, a, a throwaway nuisance animal. Mm-hmm. And now today, it's a it's a it's a high priced delicacy. Yeah, I mean, they say it's it's one of those things because they've they fished the ocean so much that they keep having to move down the down the down food, the food chain. yep. chains. One day, people are going to be eating sponges or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like squid. Uh, you know, growing up for me, squid was bait. And now it's a delicacy you uh, find just about everywhere. Yeah, I remember going fishing where they, they would sell you squid to go to go fishing with. Yeah. yeah, a box of squid that had probably twenty squid in it was like a dollar, mm. so, or something mm. like that. You know, frozen box yeah. of squid. Today, that box is worth like three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I I don't eat any of it. I, I don't like I don't like seafood. <laughs> oh, I you don't? Um, I do want to mention, I guess we should mention here at the top of the show, that we are going to be at World Maker Fair. It's coming up. Yeah. September 23rd and 24th. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, New York City. New York. New York City. It's at the, it's in Queens. It's at the site of the old world, uh, the old, uh. World's Fair. World's Fair, yeah. So everybody should check it out if you're going to be in the area. We'll be there. We're going to have a booth. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't know exactly where we're gonna be yet. We'll figure that out as we get closer to it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So if Feel free to there, come by and voice your complaints. Exactly. Yes. I'll be there to receive them. <laughs> <laughs> Special booth for for Ray. Yeah. 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 Voice your complaints here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it should be a good time. We're we'll bring some stuff with us, some projects, and uh, yeah, we'll be recording there like we do at every other Maker Fair as well. We'll have some interviews and. You know, we'll be walking around, meeting people. Hopefully, get some interviews with people around that are making projects and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. it's huge. It That's is. Something. It's really big, so it's it's fun. Yeah, I mean, we we were there. We all three of us were there last year, where we were just attending and we were walking around. We did interviews with people. I mean, we were there one day and we didn't really see everything. We sort of rushed through everything, you know. Yeah. Um. So with this time, we're gonna be there both days. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Meet a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, we should jump into the show. Yes. We are going to be talking about what makes things cool. So interesting, too. We'll, we'll frame that conversation in, in a little bit. But I think before we jump into that, we should do, so we haven't done news in a while, we should do a little bit of news. Yes. Cool. So let's go to the news. All right, well, so our first 
news story. And I added it. So the headline is talking about a parking garage for the Obama Foundation Presidential Center or whatever. But I really added this story on here because I wanted us to talk a little bit about... This is the first I've seen of a model or any renderings or anything of the library. I just wanted to have a conversation about what you guys think of the design that we can see here on of the library. Who, who would like to go first? Claudia? I'll start because um, just my background is in planning. And I think a lot of this project, of this project's inception has to do with planning. Mm. Um, obviously, every any big major project would have to get master plan as, as a whole. But in this particular case, I mean, it's interesting because the location is a an existing park. Mm. Uh, it's an Olmsted park, so there's like this history. Um, there's like yeah, this historical references to this park. It's um, I guess they were looking for a large site, right? And now we're getting to the point to to, to points in which, um, in in urban urbanized areas that we are gonna have to build on parks, and that's not right. Um, and I think that's where some of the issues start to bubble up for this particular project. Um, in the article that we were talking about, um, they actually mention a lot that there's been an outreach issue. Mm. And there's always an outreach issue with any master planning of any large project like this. But even more if it's in a park. You know, like to me, it's like it, it doesn't make sense that the, that the project... Um, Inceptors, the, the 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 project team didn't realize that they needed to do extra work because it is on a green area, mm-hmm. because of its location. So some of the outreach issues is that, and I really like some of the questions that the community has been asking because they're, I mean, they're very uh, representative of what anybody else would ask, regardless that it's you know like a beloved president unlike the one that we have now. <laughs> but regardless of that, like they're still asking very pertinent and, and, and important questions, and those questions aren't being answered, and that's really frustrating. Um, so they're asking stuff about um, how representative is the project? Uh, are the project leads, are those who are making decisions, how representative are they of Chicago and of the community that used to use this park and that will, u- will continue to use this space when it becomes its use, its presidential, you know, the presidential center. Um, a lot of them are asking questions about, you know, the location. And and those things are, like, really important. Why does it have to be here? Could it be somewhere else in a brownfield? Um, and I think just from the get-go, those are really important to me. Mm-hmm. Now, the design itself, I think it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it tries to emulate that buff you know that that green green buff area um but it's you know like you can you can put as many green roofs as you want you will never be able to take back or or emulate a pristine or a usable green space right i mean it's never gonna be a part of you yeah and and that bothers me it just it really bothers me um yeah, it's, I, I like the main tower design. That, that seems pretty cool. Access to it is going to be an interesting thing because there's like a big highway around there as well. And I'm sure there's, well, it's not a big highway, but a pretty much pretty big space. There's a lot of um, other big residential units nearby as well. Mm-hmm. 
So, anyways, yeah, that's my my takeaway that's from this. Cool. What about you, Ray? What do you think about this? Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny, and uh, Claudio touched on a on a few issues, um, but to me, it's it's no different than than if uh, um, your beloved current president <laughs> <laughs> were to say, "Hey, I want to put my presidential library in Central Park," um, which and for me, it's the same thing. I mean, the, the the audacity of taking away green space from the the people to put a a uh, presidential library is is unbelievable. Now, uh, I'm I'm politically neutral. I don't really care about one president or another. They're all the same. It's all the same crap to me. Uh, you know, it's a, it's the same yeah. crap and a different name is what it is. Uh, so for me, all presidential libraries should be built in the desert. That's where all presidential libraries should be built in the desert. Where you're not screwing around with anybody else's views or taking up, you know, waterfront uh, park areas that other people can enjoy, <laughs> because um, you know, from the design point of view, uh, I, I don't think there's enough here really to for me to uh, comment on. It's a it's a good looking model, I would say that. Um, you know, there are no plans. I, I look for plans. I couldn't see any plans, so they haven't released. Uh, anything but uh, what you were saying, like just the general site plan, um, and uh, you, you don't really get the full uh, feel of it. What I'd like to see is the before plan. What are they removing, and how much of the land they're they are disturbing to be able to put this in? Because if there are 200, 300 year old trees, they are not going to relocate them. You know, you got to remove those. And the value of a 200, 300-year-old tree yes. is not easily, it's not replaceable. You can't put 10 one-year-old saplings and replace that, the value and the majesty of a 300-year-old tree. You can't do it. So um, <laughs> so for me, it, it's kind of a mixed thing. Uh, as a former architect, uh, the model I find very interesting. Uh, but as a, as a person and as a... Uh, a lover of green space the i'm with claudia here the the choosing of this spot seems almost deliberately controversial uh and and it it makes me think about something even uh, that's unrelated to this and that is you know native americans uh have a an entitlement to a, a certain amount of land um you have to you have to uh, make an application but I, I think it's like 12 acres or something like that hmm. that you are entitled to have uh, as a as a native american mm-hmm. the problem i find with that is that they don't let what? you choose which 12 acres you want oh, okay. they tell you you get 12 acres of pristine lifeless desert mm-hmm. here you go enjoy your your desert and i mean if it's good enough for a presidential library why not have this land up for uh, use by Native Americans to claim. Well, I, w- I would I would respond to that. <laughs> then that should have been done retroactively for every other president. If you're gonna expect expect that for this president, absolutely, I I agree one hundred percent. I'm not saying anything about this president in particular. We're just talking about yeah. this one um, because, like, like I said, I'm I'm neutral. Uh, to me, all presidents, they, you know, they like to lie. They like to say one thing <laughs> or something else. Yep. So for me, they they're all equal. Um, uh, <laughs> so that's the one thing I would find about it. So uh, I 
I think that it's weird, like like Claudia said about this particular site, um, being a green space in an urban environment. Um, it's much more precious. It, it's almost too precious to be used this way. Yeah, I like. I mean, I agree with everything you guys both are saying. I think to me, the thing that was interesting about this was two things. One is that we really aren't seeing a lot about the plants yet. This is sort of the first thing I've seen as far as the design and the plants of it yet. Yeah. But uh, I think the things, the two things that stood out to me is like it doesn't matter who you are, you should just not go trying to take somebody's park away. Of course. <laughs> you know, like no matter who you are, clearly this is a bad idea. And then the other thing that struck me, I, I've only been to the one presidential library, I've been to the Kennedy Presidential Library in uh, in Boston. Um, this is like a huge complex. Um, and I understand, like, you know, a lot of what goes into these presidential libraries are the documents that, you know, they had to do with and and as well as any memorabilia from when they were president and whatnot. Um, this seems like a much bigger complex than the Kennedy presidential library to me. I would think these buildings would start getting smaller as we, we, we're in this digital age yes. rather than getting bigger. Yes. You know, like, how is this such a much bigger complex than... Do they actually say that, that it's bigger well, than Well, I don't know, they say that, but it looks it. Huh. it. It certainly looks bigger to me. It looked like a bigger area than where, where I was at the Kennedy Library. No, that's a pretty, that was a pretty big space. And, I mean, I think it depends on um, on the uses. Like, it, it, we're talking about square footages, right, of, of, of the built of the built. I mean, just the space. sheer amount of space that, that it seems to be taking. To, you would have to compare those, right? Yeah, and I and I, I wish they would because to me it just looks like such a big complex. You know, the, the Kennedy Presidential Library sat in a complex of other buildings as well. Yeah. But the library itself. The tower. Was, yeah, tower. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a tower; it was a building. The tower is like you know, a, whatever twenty-story high thing. This was not. Um, it was. It's it, it's a block, is what it looked like. Okay. Yeah. But but it was just. It is that nowhere building. near twenty-five acres. I wonder if there's like a an actual so. calculation no. for the you know like you know amount of square footage depending on how long your term. How long you were president? Yeah, you were president, right? So because you're he was president Kennedy, eight years. You're getting shot against him. Is that what you're doing? You're going to penalize him for because he got he got assassinated. You know, no one has. You know, like, hey. I feel like that's still too soon to do. Too soon, yeah, I agree. With that, we're going to go ahead and move on to another (laughs) story before Claudia. This is a controversial uh, site, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's go to the next story before Claudia starts uh, ragging on Alexander Hamilton or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go to the next story. Um, So, space researchers want to convert human waste into 3D printed tools. what do you guys think about this, Claudia? You you were surprised when you were reading it. You were like, "Oh, it's P." <laughs> that was my comment. Ooh, it's um, P. <laughs> so clearly, you thought they were going to use something else. <laughs> I don't know why you thought they were going to use something else. <laughs> no, I, I, it was more inquiring minds want to know what is it that they're talking about. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I'll start, I guess, with it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I. I I learned so much just by reading this thing and then watching the video and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, especially about, like, I have a whole new perspective on, um, what is it called? Um, oh, my gosh. 
what are they actually? <laughs> yeah, I learned Dylan. so much, right? Um, yeast. Oh. Mm. On yeast. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, yeah, you, you, you do. You see so many, so many different uses for yeast. Um, I think the biggest thing that, though, is, is this idea, do you, do you really need to take, like, I mean, this basically puts biodegradable. You remember I did a whole session of bio bioplastics, mm-hmm. and it's this is like truly bioplastics. Like you literally would make it your on your own. Yeah. Um. So I think that's pretty cool, but as to me, it's like it seems so far fetched in the future mm-hmm. that you would actually need that for your three D printer. Like, um, I mean, I guess maybe like to make parts in space, that would be like an important thing to have. Well, I mean, I, I, the question I had from the beginning was, like, how much energy does it take to do this process of converting urine and whatnot into, say, usable filament to 3D print something and 3D print the thing as opposed to just, you know, bringing the filament with you? Um, you know, like, is, is how, how does that equal out, you know? And, and yeah, and that goes to my far, far fetched, like far away in the in a time far, far, far from now, that you know when there's more people in Mars, more people, more people. there's none currently there. <laughs> more than zero, I think. More than zero is what more I meant. Zero. Then, Which then I, you would I really need it. Any time in the future, there yeah. likely will be more than zero. The first trip, the, it'll be already more people in Mars. <laughs> then, then there are. <laughs> Well, do you do we really know that there are no existential games? <laughs> Pretty sure. Okay, <laughs> Wait, what did you there's think no life in Mars. Okay, we get it. Anyway. Uh, you know what? I thought I think it's interesting. Um, and I have been, you know, we garden here, right? Yeah. yeah. We have a garden, and we we have a composter. And I have been trying to convince my wife that we need to make our own hue manure. Mm-hmm. We need to start making our hue, and she refuses. And I'm like, we are not recycling as much as we can. <laughs> but, but she keeps refusing she says no we are not making our own humanure uh so i mean we're getting uh composted manure from cows i don't see what the big deal is um but the 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 story of being able to make uh plastics from urine chemically i think that's fascinating i think mm-hmm. that is quite a cool thing to be able to do I'm curious what the actual ratio is. You know, a liter of urine equals you know, a kilogram of, of plastic filament. I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see what that ratio would be once they, uh, they figure it out. Because you still have to take enough uh, uh, yeast and catalyst to be able to do it. Because it's not just one step, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be more than one step uh, to do it and being able to produce it. So no matter what, you're still going to have stuff with you. At least the yeast you can grow and, you know, keep the colony alive and keep growing it. Uh, but conceptually, a fascinating idea. I would love to see a how-to video. <laughs> a start-to-finish how-to video. Right. Yeah, well, so I agree because I think that goes to what I was saying of, like, you know, the realistic part of this, it, it is fascinating, but the realistic part of this is that, you know, you're trying to avoid having to take as much stuff with you. But yeah. if on the trip you're having to store your urine for, or, you know, so many liters and liters of urine yeah. to then make this, isn't it, isn't it just easier to bring this stuff with you? Oh, can you imagine if the ratio is like 200 gallons to mm-hmm. one pound? Right. 
you know. Man, that's not efficient at all. No, and you could just bring the pound <laughs> of, of, of filament, you know. So that it's one of those things that that's yeah, it's it's fascinating at this point and it's a good study, but let's see where it goes again. Yeah, the only thing I would say, like the other thing that in the in I think in the video it talked about like the having to having a special diet mm. matters for omega three <laughs> like fatty acids, fatty acids and stuff like yeah. that and, and to me like i was just like oh great so like now you need to have a special diet to be able to create to, to be able to be and then filament. plastics yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it's like you make what you eat okay. basically right? now, <laughs> now, Jose, you just hit on it by mis- by accident and i think that's a great idea why not just make the human body the factory right. and make and, and get the diet so that you actually pee filament you pee the filament directly <laughs> Now that is efficiency. That is that would be very efficient <laughs> yeah. indeed. That would be the ultimate automation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be the most efficient. Because like I, I've said a couple of times here when we've talked about things, like you know, I said water finds its level, yeah. so I think urine will also find its, its level, level at some yeah. point. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. Moving on. Let's move on. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's another story, but let's just move, let's just leave it at this and let's yes. move on to the main topic. All right, so let's get to our main topic. And, um, you know, I had found this. It's not really an article as much as a video. Um, this is a video about the, the question is what makes things cool, right? And in the video, the I forget the guy's name, um, but the narrator or the presenter talks about uh, Raymond Lowy. Um, who Derek is it? Thompson is, is the presenter. Oh, the presenter? Yeah. 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 And uh, he talks about Raymond Lowy, who was an industrial engineer at the time. And, you know, he created a lot of brands, he created, he, you know, did a lot of designs. Um, and, you know, he, Raymond Lowy had a th- an idea of what makes things cool, or cool, which was, you know, what's most advanced yet acceptable, right? So I thought we could maybe, coming off of this idea, we could talk about, about one, I guess, maybe come up with what we each think make things cool or a good design or whatnot. Um, and maybe talk a little bit about his theory. Whether I guess we could start that way, whether we agree with Raymond Lowy. Um, and one of the interesting things I think he said during the video was that you know his uh, Raymond Lowy's theory was to sell something surprising, make it familiar, and to sell something familiar, make it surprising. Like you know, those are very interesting things, and they're kind of catchy even. Um, but what do you guys? think of i guess first let's start with this idea of what raymond lowy stood for when you yeah. no i mean i like the fact that he said like so it, it, the other the other clarification is that this is about the psychology mm-hmm. behind what makes something cool right right and how it it leads into industrial design and then also market marketability of the product that you that you're doing not only that, but also the cons- the consumers, like what makes people want to buy it, right? The, mm-hmm. to, to increase the demand of it. But so I thought it was interesting that exposure that, that you know he also talks about the exposure effect. That the exposure effect. So the more exposure, the more your one is exposed to it, the more familiar it mm-hmm. becomes, and therefore there is a subconscious preference for that particular product. Right. And I think that was really key for me because being able to see that cycle and the 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 how important familiarity is, and I thought I thought that was really cool and how we technically 
gravitate towards something that is familiar to us. And then, like, what blew my mind completely was the end of the of the explanation about habituation. So basically, um, how if if something becomes like a habit, uh, and you and you feel that you're conf- you're you're forced into having it or to 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 be able to use it because you've become so familiar with it, then you tend to not want to use not to gravitate towards it anymore. Mm-hmm. So one way to avoid that is to go back to old to have a better balance between what's old and what's new Mm -hmm. so what's familiar in terms of what is old and what is familiar in terms of what type of new technology or new or or new approach or what or what it is so finding that right balance is important but you can't have one without the other Mm -hmm. like you need to have that familiarity in terms of what's old because i just had like some serious arguments with some people about old and new Mm -hmm. in terms of community and um, the com- uh, the makeup of a community, and that completely like blew my mind because I was just like, yeah, like this, it it doesn't have to be completely new in order for it to be cool. Mm-hmm. And it, and I and I think that's my approach to what is cool. Well, and I think that maybe where the idea of nostalgia comes from as well. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of Raymond Lowy's uh, theories there, Ray? Um, you know, uh, it was interesting, and uh, Raymond Lloyd, I, I became familiar with him because of his trains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trains are just absolutely gorgeous, uh, beautiful machines, uh, and he designed several, in fact, he designed several cars, too, mm-hmm. uh, and that was my familiarity with him. I didn't, uh, until I saw that video, I didn't realize that he had designed logos and other things, so to say that he, you know, and, and it's not about Raymond Lloyd, obviously, mm-hmm. but... Uh, for me, the the idea of cool has been undef- undefinable for me, uh, and that is because I have no idea what anything cool is or what even <laughs> makes it cool. And I'm usually way behind on a lot of things. Uh, technology, I'm usually several generations behind on technology. So for me, when I when I think of what makes something cool, I I think of it as being uh, very, uh, I guess, fashionable is the, the way that it would describe it. Because what is cool to me um, has, like, for example, Raymond Lowy's trains and things like that, uh, definitely new things, uh, very few new things fall into that category of what is cool to me. Um, so I, I find it uh, interesting, this uh, philosophy that he had. Uh, I can see how it could actually work. If you had this formula you're like okay i like i'm good at making people buy stuff and this is how i do it (laughs) so uh it's an interesting formula um i don't think it's universally applicable uh psychologically like for people like me it wouldn't uh, work because i don't really care uh you know for me usefulness is more important than uh whether something has any cool factor uh but but yeah, uh, I can I can see how this formula might be a uh, applicable in in some aspects, particularly if you're thinking about the consumer market. Yeah, but I mean, even to that degree, though, as you're saying, you've looked at things before, or you've seen something, maybe yes. you pass it through, and you've thought, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Yes, and right. and it's been a lot of older things, right. uh, because for me, the coolness is about its mechanical ability. And its longevity. If something is around a hundred years and it still works the same way, 
it for me it is much cooler and it has a uh a, a styling to it mm-hmm. that is very difficult if not um i wouldn't say impossible to produce today but cost prohibitive um today if it, it's usually if it's plastic you know that's what it's made out of it's made out of plastic or mm-hmm. you know we're surrounded by plastic and uh for me plastic has has lost that kind of hey that's a cool thing it's for me, I look at it. And go, oh yeah, that's just more plastic. Well, so. and I think to me that's sort of the the part when I l- listen to to his theory of you know familiarity, and the more you're exposed to something, the more you're likely to want it and to like it. Um, kind of goes against some of things because I think a lot of the stuff that be like you just said that people find cool are things that are rare. You know, yes. like the, yes. the more rare something is, maybe the more. Cool. And I guess you, you could still be familiar with, with it, even though it's rare. Um, so maybe that still applies in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, and it's funny because I guess it does make sense. Like, you know, something usually that school starts as being rare, and then as more people start getting it because they think it's cool, it, it sort of it sort of has its own end. You know, it cycles back to the point where people get tired of it. It's so much, it's so available, so many people have it that it's no longer that the cool thing anymore. Like you know what you, I think you hit on the head. Uh, the typewriter. Mm-hmm. You remember those old fashioned typewriters that had those keys, the round keys that you pressed on it, and mm-hmm. the ivory and, keys, even yeah. Yeah, and they were, and they, were, it was a mechanical device, and it would, uh, it would lift a lever, and the lever would strike mm-hmm. uh, the paper and all that. Um, that that typewriter has been around a very long time, and it was you know it's around so long that we're all familiar with it. Well, they stopped manufacturing typewriters that way, and for many years, forty years maybe they've stopped manufacturing typewriters like that. But uh, I don't know if you saw that Kickstarter uh, campaign. It was a keyboard, a digital uh, wireless keyboard that it was exactly like those typewriter keys, those very old fashioned. Uh, typewriter keys so it's because it has been out of production and uh, less common like you were saying it's more rare just the image the shape of it because it's not an original typewriter but it looks like the old typewriters it's a modern keyboard that looks like it had a tremendous appeal and it was it was you know quote-unquote cool yeah, and, and it's funny, I remember when the iPad first came out, somebody made a dock for the, the iPad that you would set it on, and it was actually one of those typewriters, and you would sit down to type, and it would actually have a key that would lift up and push where on your iPad. You know, oh, really? You, yeah, so it would actually <laughs> lift up and push on the iPad itself to type. So you're sitting there, I mean, it's the dumbest thing ever, because yeah. you could just be pushing the, 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 the iPad yeah, itself. Directly, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but see, to me, that's not cool. So I think, like, I, you know, one of the things you mentioned, Jose, is it was, like, rare. Like, if something is rare, then therefore it's cool. I, I really, I, I don't, I don't, I think the more experience one, one has with many things, and that, and you develop that psyche over time, your once uh, qualification of what is cool is different than the mainstream desire for cool. I, I don't know, like, at least for, for me on a personal level, I, 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 and I hate saying that, but I, I think I'm more critical about what's cool. I'm more critical about what's rare. 
I'm also more like that's why like the the term familiarity really hit me mm-hmm. because I don't you know like uh, people are are back to using um how, how do you call it like the old record like vinyl the vinyl right? records yeah. mm-hmm. right and you know some people are like oh it's pure sound it's so amazing and it's like all the great you know the music from before it's amazing and we're you know we're we're discovering new things and then you know part of me says like okay like are you doing it because uh, because of peer pressure and because it, it was determined that it was a cool thing or are you really doing it because of of your desire of, you know, like, of, of nostalgia, or are you, you know, but we're seeing very young people doing, like, listening to that as well, so is it really just a hipster thing? Like, I, I don't necessarily think it's a cool thing. Like, once you start putting labels of what is cool and what's not, then you take away all of this awesome, like, this really good understanding of, of the psyche and, and, and the psychology behind what's cool. And then we start focusing on this product or this style for well, this I mean, life. And, and this is why I wanted to have this discussion because I think what is cool is a very personal thing to everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and I agree with you on some of what you're saying. Like, like you brought up the hipster thing. I didn't necessarily want to get into hipsters. <laughs> stuff necessarily. But, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of people walking around with this great big beard all of a sudden, all of a sudden for a few years now. And this idea of having this huge beard, like the biggest overgrown beard, is somehow cool. I don't particularly get it. I don't understand yeah, why that's that what's what's cool about that or whatever. Anybody can grow well, okay, everybody. You know, people can grow beards. There's nothing there's nothing special about it, there's nothing different about it. But clearly some people find it cool for some reason. Right? Um, so maybe I think the next step is to sort of and it's up to you guys, is that if we can talk about some of the things that we find cool ourselves, and if you want, I'll start, and try and get to the reason of why we think that particular thing is cool. Like, one of the things I like, and I think is very cool, is the uh, Volkswagen bus. Right? So we're talking about material stuff. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be about. material stuff, but I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, pers- it's, it. it's a personal thing. So it's whatever you find cool. Like, I, I you, as you know, and I think Ray knows as well, I really like the Volkswagen bus. I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's very cool looking. But I don't necessarily think it's cool because it's rare, even though it is, right? You don't mm-hmm. find it. Uh, the things I like about it is the design of it. I like the look of it. I, I, I like the way it was used. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons I can find as to why it's cool. Right, but that's not the German. The German history. Well, wait a minute, not the last one. But I mean, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of reasons I can put behind it, but it's cool. What this is trying to get at is is like, okay, I find all those reasons, but is the psychology really because it's a rare thing, and because I, even though it's it's a rare thing, I'm very familiar with it. Like, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And you know what? You bring up a good point with that particular example because. Yeah, you get a twenty-something-year-old kid, and they go, "Oh, that's old. Oh, that's right. old." Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it is very subjective to the individual. Mm-hmm. Like the spinner, and we've talked about spinners here a lot, but the spinner is one of those things that all of a sudden became a very cool thing to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily because of what the use was, or because they were familiar with it, because for a lot of people had never seen one. Mm-hmm. It was I don't know why it was cool for people. Yeah, it's a, that's a good question because, uh, you know, people have been making and using spinners for three or four years now. Right. And for some reason, 
uh, back in April, May timeframe, it exploded. I mean, it was just, you couldn't make enough videos. You couldn't make enough spinners. You couldn't sell. I mean, there was just no end to the demand. Um, but just as quickly as it came, it went. And now, if uh, if you were to put up a, a, a new spinner or a video, the very first thing people say is, oh, that's not cool anymore. They, they will say that. <laughs> oh, this is this is old news. This was so two months ago. It's, right. it's not cool. Yeah, I mean, just the other day I saw on Facebook a, a company I guess that been making and selling spin. I think it's called Spin Space or something. Like that. They're, oh yeah. They're, like space. I I saw a thing on like okay, well we're we're gonna be closing our doors. All our stuff's on sale. Yeah. Like they're gone. They're out. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's like. But was it was it really about it being cool or was it it was it about it being a trend? Because you well, guys are equating. Isn't that the what two. starts a trend? Because a lot of people find something cool. I mean. No. Because yeah, there's really maybe no that's reason to be yeah. I don't I personally I don't think that I don't think a trend is started. I think a trend is more on and again going back to what we read what we we saw or read it has to do with a process of 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 how you of the psychology behind it, right? I think a trend is more of a the like an like an an unsurmountable exposure to it. Like if others have it and you're constantly exposed to it, then it just becomes like, okay, that's a trend. So it doesn't necessarily have to be familiar. It doesn't have to really be acceptable. It hasn't, doesn't have to be like some, you know, what somebody prefers or not. It just becomes like, okay, well, I've been overly exposed to this. So therefore I am assuming that it is now cool. So therefore I must have it. I mean, and this that's is an a, interesting idea. Yeah, this is the part that's tough. I mean, maybe we should look up the definition of a trend. But like, you know, when I when we've been at some of these maker fairs and stuff, when we've seen kids come up to the spinners, like the, you see the look in their face, and they're not thinking about trends. They're not thinking about whatever. They're thinking of like, this is a different spinner. This thing is really cool, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, w- I guess, where is that line? Where is that? Because I don't know. When you I say trend, my mind immediately went to style as well. Like, is is? I think they're saying. I don't think they're saying that this is. They're saying they're uttering the word. This is cool. Mm-hmm. But I think what they're actually referring to is that this is something I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm going to put the label of being cool. A trend, yeah. a general direction in which something is developing or changing. So it's it's the change. It's, yeah, See, so it so. focuses on the change of something, which goes to what I'm what, what I'm saying that the more you're exposed to it, to a specific trend, like we're we're moving away from. Let me see, I'm trying to think of bicycles. You know, like for a while, like you know, it's like we we moved away from you know having small cars or or riding cars. Then you know, it's like okay, let's start using bicycles and let's start using that, and then it became trendy, and then from after it became trendy. Um, cool was somewhere around there, but then it became like familiar and actually usable, right? People are losing weight. People can get to places faster. Um, it's really good for the environment. See, it's funny because the way you read it and even the example you started using, I, it got me thinking because it almost feels like a trend is more of like you took you very quickly took it from the car industry and you went to bicycles, 
but like I would say a trend was, you know, for a long time, a trend was the car seemed to be as big as possible. You know, you had the Hummers and yeah. you had oh, yeah. huge cars, right? And then well, the, the old Cadillacs were huge. Yeah. yeah. And then the trend started to become where like cars now are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like, but that's all within one industry. Um, and and I, I think we're saying that the trend to a certain degree is determining what's cool and what isn't. It was really cool to have a Hummer for some reason at a certain point. And now a lot of people find it cool to have, you know, little Fiats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, tendencies are important. I mean, something that I find in, that I find that is cool for me, and mm. and and it's my phone, right? I really like I really like my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you mean your precious. Precious. <laughs> yes. That's your precious. Yeah, if, some, if it falls, <laughs> oh, how could it fall? <laughs> But it is, I mean, but, to okay, me... Well, why do you find it cool? It, I find it cool because of all of these specific issues. I mean, like, all of these things. So, the minute that we started being able to use, to, to have or have access to cell phones, yeah, you became you became more connected, right? You were easily reachable. So, then that, that also connects you to the world. I personally like being connected. So, that's one. But then, once you start using a, an iPhone... There's a specific, pat, like a, a user friendliness to it, and then you connect it in many other ways to other people. So to me, like the 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 I value being connected, and the that's why I've gone from iPhone to iPhone to iPhone from other iPhones, because it's a familiar platform. And um, see, I'm yeah. wondering. And the market, the marketers would say you've got brand loyalty. See, and here's like the question I wanted to ask because, and I don't mean this, I don't mean this in any in any way to like. I'm wondering if you are confusing something that's important to you, like your phone, like your phone's important to you more than you think it's cool. Ah, interesting. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but but then it goes with to the habits, right? I mean, like I I just I keep going back to those things because it's just to me like it's become a habit for me. Now, do I think that a, an iPhone user is cooler than uh, than an Android user? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Did I just drop one there? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just put that out. You have drunk the Kool-Aid. That's what this means. <laughs> yes. Yep. And Steve Jobs designed the whole thing. If it wasn't for him, the gosh, we would never be around. Steve Jobs again. You know, I, I like that you use the cell phone analogy because you want it to be connected. Um, my first cell phone, I fought buying the cell phone. Like I, There is nobody that I need to talk to. There's nobody that if I'm out on the road and somebody wants to talk to me, they can wait till I get home. If if it's an emergency, I need to talk to somebody. I'm gonna stop at a payphone. Uh, you know it, that was my philosophy. So I did not get a cell phone until at the absolute last moment where I actually needed one because I was working on the road. That's what I was gonna say. Yes. So I was working on <laughs> the road. That. I had no choice but to actually get a cell phone. Uh, but and when I did, I probably got I was four or five generations behind in technology. Wait, so, when you say you were on the road, is this the job that we probably shouldn't talk about here on yeah, the podcast? Yeah, that's exactly, okay. that's exactly the job. Which is gotcha. the reason why I remember okay. the exact moment. Gotcha. 
So, All right, yeah, so we're not going to say this on the air. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, I would say that was 2000 and, um, 2002? And two, yeah. So yeah, it's got to be there because it was right when phone. I was graduating. Yeah. from. Exactly. Yeah. So the, uh, the cell phone, which had been around for a long time before that, uh, 2002 was when I finally decided, yeah, I guess I'll have to get one. But do, but none of those fancy ones. No, 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 no. I don't need it. <laughs> Give me the uh, the free phone. Whichever one you have at the bottom that's free, that's the one I want. <laughs> so, so it's funny you should use that example because uh, it, I never was... I never was attracted to technology uh, and with that idea, like, oh, man, this is cool. Uh, for me, the, you know, like you mentioned, the bus the, and, mm-hmm. and Claudia, the, the cell phone, for me, it would be tools. And some of the older tools, which I have, you know, tools that are 100 years old that still work today. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the old Stanley planes, old Stanley planes are highly collectible and desirable because they are still fully functional. You know, people who collect them don't put them on the shelf and, you know, just sits there. Oh, look how beautiful my plane is. Uh, they they actually use them. And uh, and I, you know, I, I probably bought and sold two or three dozen Stanley planes, uh, you know, for one reason or another. I bought them, I used them, I, I bought them to resell them. Um, it, it's one of those things that I always found them cool and apparently other people did too. But if I were to give you one, you're like, okay, this is a nice paperweight. I mean, what am I going <laughs> to... Right? right? You're me, like, okay, it's a paperweight. So let me ask you with this, though. Because you have you have two motorcycles, right? I have one now. I have one. Oh, you only have one now? Okay, yeah. but you've had... You've, I mean, you've upgraded several, and you've yeah. changed it. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you put the motorcycle in this conversation for yourself? Um, as far as... As far as you think they're cool or whether yeah. you... Like how how do you how do you, where do you look at the motorcycle in in this conversation of we're talking about things that are cool? Yeah. Like how do you cool. how do you see the motorcycle in in this context? Yeah, the motorcycle for, for in yourself, general. obviously. No, for yeah. yourself, yeah. Yeah, but but the motorcycle in general, because uh, in similar fashion, the way that that Claudia has a brand a brand loyalty mm-hmm. for Apple, there is a huge brand loyalty for Harley, right. Harley mm-hmm. Davidson motorcycles, which is the exact reason why I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them because of their ubiquity and their tenacious uh, brand loyalty with their customers. Uh, because uh, technologically, when you when I look at them, they're they are they're the the most inferior of all the motorcycle offerings that they are. So uh, some people would say, "Oh, the, the Harley is the epitome of the cool." They've the been able, they've been exactly. able to somehow around their name make people believe they're cool no matter what. Yes. Right? Yeah. Even though uh, reliable, reliably, you know, reliability and technology have always been the last thing that they've been worried about, but preserving that image of what people find cool about Harley, they are very very good at and marketing around that. But for me, the motorcycle in general, uh, it's a it's. I would say if I had to if I had to be pushed to it, it is a cool means of transport, although not necessarily the most um, uh, useful. Because uh, if you ever get caught in the rain, you'll find out very quickly <laughs> how uh, how unuseful a motorcycle is. But uh, yeah, there there is a a certain thing. I mean, I just wouldn't say cool myself. Um, I would say. Um, 
exhilarating is the word I'd use because mm. it's exciting. You know, it's very exciting uh, to be in the open air, and it's a different experience. Uh, but I've had, and I've had several, and the one that I have now, the one that I've always liked was the one that I had at the moment. Mm. You know, and when I got a new one, that's the one that I liked. And if, you know, when I get another one, I'll like that one. But I don't know if I if I'd put it to the level of of what I say. Oh man, that's cool. Now I would say that there are certain motorcycles, individual models, that are absolutely cool, like the old Indians. You look at them and the way they oh, were built. So cool. They are absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. I would say that those individual models are most definitely cool. And what do you what so what you think it makes them cool? Sort of the design of it, the look of it. The I mean, you've also just named. A, a motorcycle that's very rare to find as exactly well. no. right that was yeah. nowadays yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so it stands out too like i can i can easily because remember it's unusual, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i remember like the last time i saw one you know like i remember the, the exact place and yeah mm-hmm. right but now a lot of the things we just named sort of tend to go against this sort of familiarity because not a lot of people have seen an indian motorcycle mm-hmm. you know not all people would necessarily know what it is i mean i guess some people know what it is but you know but I think that that's that's what qualifies it as kind of cool too, because like I remember, okay, I'm not a big connoisseur of bikes, and I do feel the same like passion for riding his uh, um, a motorcycle when I ride my scooter, right? By the way, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an amazing <laughs> piece of machinery. <laughs> Your best business, you're talking yes, about. <laughs> my scooter. But I remember like when I saw the like uh, it, the, the the motorcycle, the Indian. I like I followed it in my scooter. Like I literally, I needed to see it again, and I was like, "What is that thing? I need to go see it." And I literally like started following it. So yeah, it's because it's that rare. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, so I, I mean, I wrote down a few of the things that I've that I think make things cool. Like one of the things, one of the things that I probably find the most cool to me is architecture. That's sort of why I got into it, and that's why I continue to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it, it's to a degree it's hard sometimes when you're an architect to like architecture. You know, it, it sometimes it kicks you down and and whatnot. But you know, I like I can't help but do that because I find architecture cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I wrote down a couple of things that I find, and I think a lot of the things are the things that we've been talking about. That you know, to a degree, is unique. It's either unique or or original. You know, mm-hmm. that it, there's not necessarily a lot of them that you know it's well designed it's useful like you were saying right like you know your tools you the, the, the mm-hmm. big part of it is that there there's something you use and they continue to work even though yeah um, they're so old and the, the last thing i put on here and i'd be interested to know what you guys think is that some of the things that i find cool are things that do something new do you guys sort of see mm. that as well like where does that fall into your spectrum of things that are cool you know, it's interesting because I can probably give you an example where that would not be true. Mm-hmm. Like those complicated um, computerized toilets from Japan. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that that can do some weird new thing like play music that matches the blood sugar level in your urine. <laughs> and I guarantee you that is not cool. <laughs> But I mean, but if you see a new tool that does something new, like I mean, like say, like three D printers, like I find three D printers cool mostly for what it yeah. does, you know. Yeah, yeah. To the degree I find it cool. That I mean, what do you think, Larry? What do you think about the idea of that something that does something new being cool? 
Yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, I, I would qualify it. Personally, I would qualify it as being cool. But I think I would find something. I, usually when we go on state sales, mm-hmm. and I find something, not rare, but I, some, I find something that provides a different function or it makes it easier to do something. Mm-hmm. Because, and, to, and it's new to me. Mm-hmm. I find that being cool. So I tie it always to the to its function. So you know, like that's one of the reasons why, for example, I I will not like we're always you know going back to the iPhone. We're never like oh I need to get the new iPhone like the first the, the, the you know the brand new iPhone. Like no, it's not gonna be any different than than the one I have. Any you know. Are you telling me you're not gonna stand in line for three days to throw your money at somebody? I will not. <laughs> I will definitely not unless unless it's a I don't like, get that. I'll yeah, bachata singer and <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then I will throw more than no, but yeah, I, like I, yeah, the, does something new? It does. Like, yeah, yeah. In in some in some cases, I would say that is cool. Cool. Yeah, you know, Claudia, you hit it on the head and with with the statement that new to you, mm-hmm. and I think that is very important because there's a lot of things that have been around a long time. And the very first time you see how it works, and to even though it's been yes. around thirty years, like like three D printing is a good example. Like you mentioned, Jose, mm-hmm. it's been around a long time. Yep. Uh, but there are people who are just now discovering it, and it is new to them, and it is an eye opening uh, experience for them, and they they can't imagine anything more cool than a three D printer. Um, and I, I will tell you what was the interesting thing I saw recently was a uh, a potato sorter. And you're like, a potato <laughs> sorter? That, that thing's 100 years old. And it was it was a 100-year-old uh, wooden machine. All the parts were wood. And what it did is it sorted potatoes by sizes. And it could do onions or potatoes or peaches. It could do any of those things. But I had never seen one before. And it, there was a beauty in its simplicity of a 100-year-old mechanism and how it sorted, and and it put them in bins. So, it, even though it's old technology, it was new to me. And man, I, that thing was very cool. To me. <laughs> Just near that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now you have one in the back of the house. Yeah. No, no, I don't have one. No, we don't need to sort potatoes or onions. <laughs> what? I can give you potatoes to sort. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, cool. All right, cool. So that's our discussion of what cool. what we find cool or what. What is cool? Um, I'd be interested to hear what people think about this and what they find cool or for what reasons. So, you know, tweet at us either is it Made Podcast on mm-hmm. Twitter, at Made Podcast, or even just at me. I'm at City Aperture. I'd love to hear what yeah. people have to say about it. So, cool. We're going to move on to the product of the week. Yep. Something cool. Okay, so this week, well, I mean, let me just start. So we often say that, you know, we are not associated with the product of the week. Um, I also want to want to start sort of saying that this is also not an advertisement for the product of the week. Yes. So we're not getting paid in any way to talk about this product. We are open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we just find a product that we find interesting or find like a good discussion topic and we talk about it um, mm-hmm. so this week it's the i'm not sure how to say this i guess it's the kubio but there's two eyes in yeah. kubio 
Um, what do you guys think about this, Ray? Let's start with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a quick discussion about yeah. this um, before. When I saw this uh, and the Kickstarter, which is, makes me more suspicious, by the way, mm-hmm. the Kickstarter video uh, is changed because the video that was on before did not show the enclosure. It just right. showed the, um, I would call it the laser module. And it showed it using it in such a weird way that if you know anything about lasers, you know that you've got to keep the focal length steady. If you start changing the focal length and you don't readjust it, and, uh, then you're not going to get any good results. And the one that really got me is they had it on the surface of a table and they were engraving the back of a chair and the back of the chair had a very deep curve in it. And it engraved the per- – it was perfect. You couldn't, you couldn't get it more perfect. And I'm like, you know what? I am calling a scam on this because I don't believe it. I don't believe this. And they did a few other things in the, in the previous video. And I think they got called out on it because the video now is different and it shows this enclosure. Right. This is and, the first time I see this enclosure as well. And I put this on here. So Yeah. yeah. So I look at it now with this new enclosure and, and I can believe it more. Um, because you're maintaining that focal length, which is critical to uh, being able to get good, good results with a uh, with a laser. Um, I don't know how powerful this laser is because I think that distance is crazy. It's up, when you see how far apart it is from the surface and you look at our laser in the shop, you're like, wait a minute, something, something's not right here. Right. Yeah. So as you know, and, and, th- and I'm glad you pointed out that we are not uh, advocating the purchase of this item or are in any way affiliated with it because Kickstarter investment, as you can well attest to, is a gamble. Right. And there is no guarantee for them to deliver a, a finished product. Mm-hmm. And as we have found out from some previous Kickstarter campaigns, uh, there is no requirement for them to deliver it either. Right. <laughs> so... I, I get concerned when I see that it's got $1.4 million in, in, in money pledged. And everything I know about lasers is telling me that there's something not right with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's just something is suspicious to me um, from what I know, how lasers function and how they work and how they've shown it. And the fact that now they've got a different video because I think somebody mentioned something to them. And so uh, if it's true, if this works and it's 100% true, uh, it's, it's quite impressive and amazing. Um, the, you know, it's, uh, it's got 5-volt DC power supply, and it's a, allegedly a 800-milliwatt um, uh, laser, um, which... Which would be a, a, it's under that means it's under one watt, but it's still quite a, a bit of energy density for such a small design. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think about it, Claudia? Well, I I was liking it, and now I feel like oh wait, <laughs> this may not be good. <laughs> um, I think for the price, it seemed interesting. Um, but I don't like. I mean, I think for the price though. You could technically get a laser cutter, right? 
kind of very low, so, low, yeah, low I mean, one. Yeah, I used so the retail price for this thing is six hundred and sixty nine dollars. Yeah. So yeah, here on on this it's saying three hundred nineteen, and you get one. But even at three hundred nineteen, you can you can get an eBay China one for four hundred dollars. That a desktop one, right? A laser yeah, cutter, the, a that's tabletop a desktop one, right? Tabletop. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that that was interesting too, because I was like, well, what's the comparison? So that was my question to you guys. Then I had the other question was that yeah, like you just you, and you answered the question of why do you need the shield? Because then and that's exactly like in, even in the price point, it seemed like they started adding it as an add on. At some point that wasn't there before, mm-hmm. uh, like just the different you know choices of prices that you can do. Um, but then my last question was, and this is a laser cutter too, like no, I think it's just an engraver. But it says like what materials can you engrave and cut in paperboard, cardboard, fabric, felt, leather, and wood. Like, and then it tells you the different. Like the thicknesses, thicknesses yeah. that it will cut through. So well, that's tell you how many passes. That's going to be quite a few right. passes. Oh, so that's so that was the key. So it's a, the yeah. the predominantly. So it's like you just have to pass it. Pass. It yeah, I mean, I mean, eventually time. any laser would cut through something if <laughs> if you keep going over it. I mean, unless it yeah. catches on fire first. Yeah. yeah. But okay, because yeah. um, then like the in terms, you know, like the sizes that they give of what this of the working area of the surface area. Mm-hmm. I also they they were all in millimeters, so I so it's about five and a half inches by six point eight inches. Mm-hmm. That's tiny. And that's the yeah, that's their the main that's area. That's with the uh, that's with the box. That's with the box, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the actual like the the air area that the laser will actually work mm-hmm. is like four inches by four inches. Right. Yes, a hundred by hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But in this diagram, it shows you that the focal length is between 150 and 160 millimeters, which is why I found it very difficult to believe that it was engraving the back of that chair so beautifully perfect. Right, like off of a tripod too, right? Wasn't it off of a tripod, tripod. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you can't set that accurately if you just throw it on the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think one of the things you said is like, you know, there's no guarantee this is going to be delivered off a of Kickstarter. I mm-hmm. think if I've, I, I think you should hope this isn't delivered off a of Kickstarter because I just, I cannot imagine how this thing is going to do anything that they show it's going to do. Um, yeah. It's tiny. It, like, it, it, it has a thing. Some of the samples that they show of this, like, you would have to have some kind of precision to be able to make it do this repeating pattern that they show on here. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, I mean, you're having to move that laser over and over. Like, there's so much work to this. You can literally go on eBay and buy a $400 laser that has, like, I think it's almost 11 by 17 size working area. Maybe it's a little smaller than that for $400. And, yeah, you may have to tweak a lot of it and you have to know, you may have to know how to, you know, adjust things on it. But you can find online how to do those things. Like, somebody's bought that laser already. And they've got videos up on how you adjust the laser, or how you adjust the mirrors, and how you do this, and how you do that. Like, the there's no, this is going to build us, like, an easy laser to use. There's no way this is going to be easy to use. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do the chair thing. You, If you want to do a repeating pattern, like, you're going to have to have serious precision. I, I, I just, this thing was ridiculous to me. 
Yeah. I mean, I would hope that this is not a scam. But my gut feeling is telling me this might be a scam. I, I don't know. I, I it just it, it it is one of those things that to me, you know, I, I've said like my my thing with Kickstarter is that I I would only buy something on Kickstarter that's doing something new, and that it's only doing one thing that's new. This isn't doing something new. It's doing it smaller for some reason. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I think like the yeah. new thing here is that it's portable. But it is do you want it to be portable? Like do you want your laser engraver to be portable? I don't, I don't know that you do. I mean, the only advantage I see is like the way they showed it, like engraving the back of a bookcase. But I don't know where you would need to do, you know, an engraving on in situ. Uh, right. And and it's dangerous. I mean, yeah. what if you're? <laughs> it's dangerous, and not to mention to hold the accuracy to, of the focal length. Very difficult to do that. Yeah. Right. Uh, you you would go through the trouble of setting it up and if you're off the lasering is going to look is going to look <laughs> out of focus and now you've done it on this bookcase that you can't move done. anymore <laughs> you apparently couldn't move it any for some reason <laughs> you couldn't bring it to the lasers and now with like I, I don't know I don't understand it I mean it's even just... even if it was 100% and you, you are working and you put it on there if the dog if the dog is running around and bumps the bookcase well now it's messed it up right so it there's some weird things about this, and I, I just can't put my finger like, on... It just doesn't make sense to me why you it, need Exactly. This. That's what it is. It just does not make sense. Yeah. Interesting concept. I would love it if it were 100% real, but I doubt it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point in this. Like, we were, before, we, well, before we started recording, we were talking about the machine that, um, that prints... The, the handheld printer thing that they use on, oh, yes. on yes. crates and they use on uh, um, barrels and things like that. And that's just an inkjet. That's an printer. inkjet thing, right? Yeah. And that's a 9000 we, we looked up the price of it. It's a $9,000 <laughs> inkjet printer, essentially. Right? It's handheld and it would right. do it on any surface you want. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if this was that, like, this could, to a degree, could replace that, you would think, right? If, it, yeah. if you can just sit on a tripod and let it print on whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they're telling me they can replace essentially that six, like that nine thousand dollar machine, for three hundred dollars. I just don't buy it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe when we go to the World Maker Fair, we'll yeah, we'll maybe see he'll be there. The, <laughs> we'll see all of them. And then no, you know what? Prove me wrong. Send me, me there, one. Yeah. No, let me borrow one for one. for a, a week or two. I'll send it back. I don't want to keep it. And prove me wrong, and and let's see if it actually works. I would love to be proven wrong on it. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I don't buy it. Sorry. Yeah. And you know the other thing, like if you if you go through the picture gallery, mm-hmm. um, all I see is pictures of what could be finished product products, mm-hmm. um, or the finished laser. I don't see anything showing any of the manufacturing of the units. Well, I mean, because like, they, they probably haven't manufactured any. They probably have one that they maybe got to work. Because all you need, supposedly, and I don't know how strict Kickstarter is to this, but all you really need is to have a prototype for Kickstarter. You're supposed to have a prototype. I don't know how much they stick to it, but... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. That is the Kubio. Um, I would stay away from it. <laughs> Yeah, but, well, apparently there has been 
Apparently, they have five hundred people who are who have jumped on it. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's go to what are we working on? All right, guys, we've been away for a couple of weeks. So, what has everybody been working on? Ray, why don't you go first? Oh man, uh, I don't even know where to begin. Honestly, <laughs> um, I started uh, back on my boat, my boat build. Nice. I've been working on for a little over a year. Uh, I would say working on and off. It's on yeah. and off, on and off because of, of time. And uh, just finished a, a big uh, job making stainless steel panels for a building in, in D.C. Yep. And uh, it's being installed now, so it's nice. I'm getting uh, picture updates, and then every once in a while there'll be a little hiccup, and I'll have to bend one one or two pieces and mail them over. Because hmm. um, as you know, when you you know you look at buildings and you look at them finished, and you're like, oh, this building looks great. But what you don't realize is that if that building is within three inches a square, you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, especially the bigger the building, the harder it is to get everything to line up. So so really, buildings are kind of a blend of imperfect connections. Um, right. You know, and, I, I heard it said really well in this show that I was watching. And, and the guy said that, you know, buildings don't just happen. You know, they have to be willed and you have to fight with them, have to be forced and they have to rang, be wrangled into existence. Yes. And I, I thought that was a very <laughs> accurate description of, of it is, it construction. Is, yeah. and it is a very perfectly accurate mm-hmm. thing because, you know, you figure that the opening is correct and you go to measure it and it's not. And then you figure that the the glass guy put everything in correctly. Well, he didn't. So, But, but you're the, doing the very last thing. And when you do the very last thing, like trim and all that, you have to deal with all the mistakes that came before you. Mm-hmm. Your cat? Are yeah. you, is that your cat's? Yeah, that was the cat. He <laughs> dropped the box. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, we have to deal with all the mistakes that came before, right. and that's where it really shows up. Mm-hmm. So uh, nobody can see it, but when you are dealing with pieces of metal, you can pick up uh, a lot of imperfections. So the whole freeze area has about a three-eighths of an inch taper from one end to the other. And they may not seem like anything, but all those pieces that go in there vertically have to fit in their exact yeah. positions. So each one has to be cut and trimmed, notched and mitered to the exact location where it fits. So we have a very good installer doing a nice job, and that's going to be that's probably the most complicated uh, metal facade that uh, that I've ever worked on. But that that job took about two months of sitting with the drawings and designing every. Every piece of bent metal yeah, to go on that. And, and you had told us earlier, um, it was also difficult sort of a chain of communication as well. Yep, yep. Yeah. And that's, of course, the other problem with buildings. You have so many people and disciplines involved mm-hmm. that uh, it's very easy to have uh, a lack of communication set, uh, put a wrench in the works. Right, yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, Claudia, what about you? What have you been working on? working on a couple of things um i guess the, the the in terms of making stuff uh i recently became uh or a, a member of a buddhist community mm-hmm. so I, i'm entering my buddhahood mm-hmm. and um they have like uh you receive a squirrel uh Kuponzlin, 
and then you have to. Did you say a? Did you say a squirrel or a scroll? A squirrel. <laughs> a squirrel. No, they, it sounded they, like squirrel. I'm like, they're handing out squirrels over there. Yeah, it's, it's a dried up squirrel. In a... <laughs> That's exactly it. Right. It comes in a little box. No, <laughs> a scroll. And go. yeah, and you're supposed to put it in an altar. So um, I have to. I I I've taken it upon myself to, not myself, but Jose challenge Jose, to help me build. <laughs> build my own altar so that we're so it's more of an upcycled uh project than you know like something that we could easily just buy from like a place but you know we don't want to do that we want it to for it to be special so and there's specific um parameters of what it you know the size uh the size the what goes inside it it needs to have doors um i didn't know there were like altar specifications (laughs) <laughs> well, it's got to fit that scroll, and the scroll is a very specific dimension or whatever. Yeah, and then because you, you know, call it an altar, it's not really an altar. It's not like it's not like you know, like the thing that most people went or I don't know. Maybe it's just my Catholic upbringing. When I think of an altar, you know, there's all sorts of virgins and candles. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, people people can put something in in, in the it's it's a it's called a butsudan. But I can't I can't even pronounce it. Sorry. Like yeah, I'm a great. I'm, I'm doing wonderful in this mm. Buddhahood right now. <laughs> See, if, if I could explain it to people, you know, if you get a dartboard, you can buy a cabinet for the dartboard that that closes it off, and you don't see it. It has these two doors. Think of that same idea, but it has a scroll inside of it instead of the dartboard. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then its location, the location of the dartboard, has to be like in a in a place where you're not gonna be like, right. you know, like you know, hitting doors or anything else like that. So it's the same case. But anyways, it's it's been a pretty calming experience for me, the whole process. And I'm, I'm with really good friends that are also encouraging me through. So I'm really happy about that. But yeah, so that's our project. Cool. Yep. Very nice. Cool. Um, as far as myself, uh, I started doing some videos on my YouTube channel where... Uh, I I mean the first set so I'm doing one a, one a month so throughout each month I'm working on one. Um, the first thing I did was I did I don't know if people are familiar with Pixar's movie The Incredibles. So yeah, I've been yeah. watching your videos. Yeah, so I decided to figure out. You know, I re- I've always loved that house that they lived in. It's a very mid-century house. So I I saw the movie and I realized like you know there's enough still shots of this house that I could figure out like the actual size and dimensions and how this house was built. So I took it up on myself to, to do that, and I came up with a floor plan, and I ended up doing renderings of the exterior, and I took it almost as a, as a design challenge. So essentially I, you know, designed their house or how the house would be built in real life. So I have the renderings and everything out there. Um, and then this, that was last month. I was in August. This month I'm starting a different one. This is going to be a, a brand-new design. So I decided to design a... I set up to design a house for Quasimodo, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, but it ended, I, I haven't released any videos, but it's actually going to be an apartment. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm just having some fun with it, sort of like design um, studies, if you will. And then, you know, going to turn out renderings and whatnot. So I've been working on that. I uh, also been working on a couple of model kits, and I put some videos up of different things on the model kits. And, uh, well, you know, the thing I wanted to mention... <laughs> I've been watching this show on Netflix called Top Ten Architecture. 
and uh, I might do a review of it in my channel as well, um, which is, the, the show is essentially a top 10 list of different architecture things. Um, you know, the first episode, which is funny because the show bothers me in so many different ways, um, but I just can't stop watching it. Um, but like, the, you know, the, the one I just finished watching is museums, so they counted the top 10 museums, or, and then they also done the top 10 stadiums. So each episode is its own list, you know. But it was funny because they started with the first two was bridges and then mass transit projects, which neither of those are architecture when you think about it. Those yeah. are both en mostly engineering projects. But, you know, there's things throughout the show that really bother me that they do. But at the same time, it's, it's I don't know, it's somewhat entertaining. I, I enjoy watching some of that stuff. Um, the thing that they do that really bothers me, because they're talking about famous architects, they keep comparing the Pritzker Prize, which is the gold medal of architecture, to different prizes. And, you know, it wouldn't bother me, but so it's all voiced over. And the voiceover guy, clearly he's, like, I, I shouldn't hold it against him. He gets a script, obviously. Yeah, that's what I was telling him. <laughs> but, you know, in the same episode, he compared the Pritzker Prize to two different things. <laughs> like, so the first time he mentioned it, he's like, oh, yeah, this is, he won the Pritzker Prize, which is the Nobel Prize of Architecture. And I'm like, okay, not really. Yeah. Right? <laughs> because you can you can win the Nobel Prize multiple times. It's not a life, the Nobel Prize is not a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. which the Brisker Price is. And then in that same episode, like 20 minutes later, or maybe even less, he says, yeah, he also won the Brisker Price, and he goes, which is the Oscars of architecture. And I'm like, that's not even close. <laughs> like, no, not only is that not even close, but it's but just to, just 10 minutes ago, you compared it to something else. You can't do that. Like, I don't know. And then in the third episode, he compared it to the Pulitzer Price. And it's like, no, that's also not close. Yeah. So, you know, there's things like that that annoy me in the show. But I don't know. Maybe it's worth checking out. It's, I think if the less you know about architecture, maybe the more you're likely to enjoy it. So, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. Um, and then that's, that's it. it. That's all I have. So, it's the end of the show. Why don't we tell people where they can find more about each of us? Claudia, when you go first. Uh, the city com. Uh, and on Twitter, the City Ecologist, or, um, yeah. Cool. Ray? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, uh, Ray Pena. It'll be the first one that pops up. If you're not already a subscriber, I recommend you subscribe if you uh, <laughs> like to uh, have some tortured viewing. And um, on my Facebook page, Homemade Lave, where I, we discuss and I try to help people figure out how to start, build, or finish their homemade lathes. Yep, very cool. Both of those very cool things to check out. Yes. And uh, you can find me at, at City Aperture, whether it's on webpage or any social media. So, cool. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. I don't remember what the topic is for next week, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Cool. I, know I've, I know I've written it down, but I don't remember what it is. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a cool day. Bye. Bye.